This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our TGT podcast, our weekly show in which we look at the week's events regarding Arsenal, typically straight after a league game as we round down to the final few fixtures of the season and talk about what matters uh, because that's what we've got to try and think of something that matters to make our lives a little bit much more easier to get through. Uh, I'm joined by three fantastic people today uh, to talk through yesterday and of course try to make sense of what this season has been as we look ahead into what will hopefully be much more positive times. First of all it's been absolutely pleasure to have you back on the show against Raf. How are you doing mate? I mean we were talking off air about how you've positioned yourself on the floor uh, to get the best Wi-Fi connection possible but how are you doing? Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've had too many cutoffs, so I'm not, I'm not doing that again. So unfortunately, it's the rug. <laughs> it's good, mate. It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's yeah, crisp. It's it sound is clear. It's coherent. It's Great. exactly what we want. So uh, good perfect. To be back, good, good to be back. Also joining us from his very nice library, it's French. How you doing, mate? Are you well? Yeah, all good, man. Just tired from all these books I've been reading, but. <laughs> Educated, mate. Edu- I mean, what can you do in lockdown but just read? I mean, how many have you gone through so far? Be like in terms of like a loading screen, how far along the bookshelf are we? This is not my library. <laughs> break it to you, lads. <laughs> I'll leave it there. I want to no, pick out a book. We want to see what, what's what's going on in the French household. What are we reading? Something random. Oh, oh well, pick out the um, nearest one. Of, a lot of French things, mate. Believe it or not. Um, the French dictionary there. I don't know if you can see that. <laughs> Just back I mean, up my identity for if those you're French, died, why do you need French. a French dictionary? Like what? Why, um, why do we need to learn more words? Are you not accomplished in your language yet? Is that where we're at? Well, if you want to know, actually, the French are really interested in correct French. In England, we don't really mind when people use incorrect grammar. But in France, it's like a thing. Like People will correct each other <laughs> at parties whilst drinking on using the right grammar. It's... it's a bit culturally weird for me, but yeah, um, it, it's it's a thing. So my mom's like a, a lecturer in French, and and yeah, basically there's a lot of a uh, a lot of a lot of rules in French. Right. And, yeah, so French social gatherings, you, you turn up with your bottle of wine in one hand, your, your French dictionary in your other hand, and, and it goes from there. 
a little bit of, yeah a little bit of cheese on a, on a knife and then you correct each other's grammar <laughs> <laughs> perfect mate perfect mate and um, finally making up our fantastic quartet this evening it's johnny how do you mate are you well are you good yeah no i'm pretty good to be fair i'm just kind of inwardly chuckling actually at french's uh, uh suggestion suggestion at french parties people will correct will actually be drinking alcohol and correct other people's grammar when in britain if you're drinking and people correct your grammar, that is grounds for fisticuffs. Everyone knows it. Someone's going to get slapped out of there. Like, don't tell me how to say things. So, um, no, in general, yeah, uh, pretty good. And um, obviously, we're heading towards opening up after lockdown. So, you know, um, yeah, the future seems to be a little bit brighter these days, eh? Yeah. I mean, you didn't get the memo about making your background exciting, but other than that, it's uh, it's fine. Um, there might be many kitchen enthusiasts out there tuning in going, oh, like like in American Psycho when um, uh, your main man Bateman's literally looking at the embroidery of a business card. There might be a kitchen <laughs> enthusiast going, oh, I love those, love those drawers, love those uh, cupboards on the wall. So, you know, got to give them what they want. There you go. Hot Stepper in the chat says, look at those cabinets. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Perfect stuff. Fantastic. Welcome, everyone, in the chat box this evening. Glad that you've chosen us to join. Uh, of course, there is a, there's a football game going on this evening, as, as you probably know. Not that big uh, at the moment, of course. But I'm glad that you've chosen us to fill your evenings with uh, as we try and, I don't know, probably a little bit of therapy here and there, talk about a few players and try and make sense of what's been going on. Raph, Arsenal currently sit third in the form table since Christmas where things could not be better as Arsenal fans regarding <laughs> our form so surely you are looking forward to another season of Mikel Arteta no um, <laughs> um, I, 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 don't, I don't really care to be honest I mean it's obviously the obvious um, I think you mentioned it this morning obviously the season starts in well it started in September I think but the season don't start in second half of the season but I think mainly I still look at it as the the amount of games that we've thrown away, the games that we lost um, in the league. We we could have still been in a much better position, and the Europa League was um, I think it was a bit of a nail in the coffin for me to be honest. Because I think while while Arteta has shown some, because he has shown some good things, I think we we're a lot more um, solid. I think that we uh, have a structure in place that you can see defensively. But I just, I just think he's too risk adverse for me. I think um, I've always erred on the side of attacking, um, and just you know, I, I'm much more of a Bielsa than a Dash to be a fan, if I, if I'm honest. And and I just think that Arteta is very risk adverse. I think the um, the two semi-finals kind of show that, and I just, yeah, just not for me, unfortunately. And and I was, I was big on. It. I did really want him to do well. I still do. I mean, if he does well, I don't, I don't like. I'm not hanging on the whole. Arteta Hill that if he does badly I have to you know and if he does well I have to eat my words if he does well I'd love it because we don't have to change manager but I just I don't know man I just I I yeah I can't see it Fair enough. Uh, obviously, we're going to go into a lot more to do with that and, and, and kind of delve into the reasons as to why maybe we've got here and, and what will happen if if there is a will in the future. Um, but Johnny, yesterday's game was uh, it wasn't an enjoyable watch. Uh, I'll, I'll say that it was. A weird game, uh, that's for sure, in which obviously you get a gift of a goal and then attack versus defence for 74 minutes of the fixture. I mean, how did you break it down in your mind afterwards? Were you happy with the win, of course, but a weird display? 
I mean, first and foremost, most you've got to be, you know, delighted with any win over Chelsea. They are officially scumbags. Like that's 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 <laughs> what they are. They are a scumbag unit, scumbag mob um, with scumbag history. So it's always good to put them to the sword in whatever way that it happens. But apart from celebrating the actual result, yeah, look at the performance. I thought there were things to take away, and of course, being dogged enough to get through that game when we were being. Um, I, I think dominated might be over pushing it to be fair because I don't, I think we were relatively in control. But on the same note, I thought if they had won, they would have deserved to have won. They had the chances to see us off. Um, in general, they looked like the better team. Um, and I thought that outside of the you know, absolute superstar who's really coming into his own now, Emil Smith, Smith Rowe, there, there are limited, um, Things to take away and be celebrating right now. In general, I didn't know what the kind of lineup was going to be today, uh, like in terms of opinions. But Raf's just dropped a lot of a lot of shit to pass a polygraph. Quite frankly, a lot of truth out there. Um, this stuff is right up my street. Simple facts of the matter are, I'm I'm done with Arteta. I think he's for me. I've been conv- I, I was I was trying to remain open with mm. him and give him enough um, leeway to prove himself one way or another. The nature, not just the result, the result alone would have done it, but the nature of the Europa League exit for me, I think I've seen enough. And I just, I, at this point, I just feel like the bridges are burned. And so even when we see good games or good results, I look at the situation and think, have we really progressed properly though? Or is it just up and down, that volatile nature which we've been presented with all year? And, you know, to echo Raf's point, which I've been saying all day, when we talk about, you know, third since Christmas, yeah, I get that. But the reality Mm. is, is, you know, since Unai Emery knocked us out of the Europa League, we're joint top of the league. Fantastic. Where where are you drawing your lines from? Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we've got six points since we got knocked out of the biggest game of the season in the biggest game of our Tetis, Tetis managerial career and we crumbled and looked poor. So are we going to count from two games ago when we started winning a couple? And then in a couple of weeks, so are we going to look back and go, actually, we take this portion out of the season, we were on fire. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a nonsense for me. The season has to be looked at as a whole. And if you do, it just makes dire reading, simple as that. Yeah, no, I'd sat here on Thursday after the game against Vieira and, I, and the title of the video was Arteta should be sacked because based upon the season, based upon that game, meaning the most this season, any other team would get rid of the manager. Like any, any other team would, would get rid of it. And trust me, I've, I've sat on here with all three of you and, and waxed lyrical about how much I want Arteta to succeed, about the potential I've seen from him as a coach, but it, it doesn't really matter when the ultimate fact of the matter is is that results is the business of the game that we're involved in and they haven't come to the fore and they haven't been successful this season and we've improved our squads and it's got worse i say it got worse we're so, even if we win if we, we're one point off last season's total which is quite hilarious in itself and ironic um that we could end up with more points this season than last uh obviously without a trophy um but french we say like these games don't matter. And of course, Johnny points out there that fantastic. We've got six points from six in the last two games, but we've got knocked out of the biggest game of the whole season. Um, but at the same time, we talk about the fact that either you look at the fact we're third in the form table from Christmas and we are 
opening the door to a, an absolutely ridiculous and the most unlikely push for a European place because of the ineptitude of those above us, which is quite crazy. I mean, if Arsenal finish above any of the teams above us, they should frankly be embarrassed by themselves that Arsenal have managed to overcome them. But is there any part in you that's, I mean, there's a wry smile on your face. Is that smile going to grow if you see Arsenal pick up a few more points and those above us drop to the point where a, Europe, a Europa conference place could be up for grabs, French? Is that something that's going to float your boat? I don't want to I don't want to do the, the Europa conference thing in the slightest. I'm not even sure I want to do the Europa League thing again, despite how much it's good for the club. <laughs> I've got a little smile on my face because I think, um, this is why I always have to change location because these takes are are, are not um, <laughs> not the most popular. But um, right for a start, I'm I'm not fully out. I'm not fully out. I was almost out. I'm not. You know, I said in the group chat a couple of times in the Villarreal tie, like, I think I'm coming down on the other side, boys. You know, I think I'm <laughs> I'm uh, I'm starting to to think. You know, it should be over. And and I completely agree that after that tie. You know, any other club would have sacked him. Any ambitious club would have sacked him. Um, but the other thing that I thought about is that at the same time as saying that, at the start of the year, any kind of ambitious club would have also backed him better. Um, our kind of our owners, our structure—they've showed that they're not really that ambitious. And so, if you're not going to back the manager who's never managed before, and then you're surprised he's not brilliant, then to to, to sack him is just kind of like you didn't know what you were doing or you know, it's it's just, I, I think it's kind of symptomatic of the fact that our owners are ambitious, that we A, didn't sack him, but we didn't back him in the first place either. So, um, I don't know. I think I'm like, I think I'm like, I was like 20, 80 before, before this game. I was like 20, 20 in, 80 out. And I don't like the in out thing. And, I, and I've got reasons. No, you're 50, 50, so is what you're saying. <laughs> but, but in terms of how I felt, like if, if it's like a, like something that I'm investing in, I'm like, I'll leave like 20 in there and I'm I'm taking 80 out because I can see it going down, down. Um, like like the Bitcoin has been since Elon tweeted. Let's go on to OJ Slim because he says he thinks he's been backed and you think he hasn't. So oh, well, the reason I say that is because okay, so this ties into my next thing that I was that that is a, a nice uh, controversial point. So with the um and we talked about this with the uh the like form since boxing day, there's a reason for me that it's not completely arbitrary as a cutoff point. Um, and I call it because before Boxing Day, we were in BSR, the, the before Smith Rowe era. And, <laughs> and since Boxing Day, we've entered ASR, which is like after Smith Rowe. And since he's come in, or, you know, a, a 10 in Martin Odegaard, you can see there's a difference in, you know, the kind of way that we are able to create. Like before, it was it was that. Definitely, definitely. I think we're to argue this point. <laughs> so, so what, so what I was going to say is, obviously, we had Ozil before but we chose to freeze him out and um, we were looking for an hour in summer, but we didn't get him because of fees or prices or whatever. But that's when I say he hasn't been backed. I mean, he hasn't, he wasn't given the players that we knew we needed in terms of, we got the CM, we got one CM, fantastic CM, but we only got one of them. We knew we were very poor there. We got one center back who has been fantastic um, for, for large parts of the season. Um, but we didn't get that attacking midfielder that we knew we needed if we weren't going to be playing Mesut Ozil at all, which you, we can debate whether or not that was the right thing to do. But yeah, that's that's for me where there is a kind of, there's a logic to having that sort of cutoff point in terms of there's a reason why those points are there now and they weren't there before. I think we were just dire of lack of creativity, whether it was three at the back, four at the back, it didn't really matter. We were just disgusting. Um, and I think since wow. then, 
yeah, you can see. And my thing is, yeah, the reason and the reason I, I, I was watching the Chelsea game and I was looking at these players and like, it was weird. We can't pass a ball at the moment. It's so weird. Nah, like, it's, nah, it's, we... it's so strange. I can't, I don't know if it's yeah. something we're doing in training that's wrong. I don't know if these players are exhausted. I don't know if what it is. I don't know if it's they're not used to the formation because it's a new formation, like all, all the time. Yeah, I just, that I just think they yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just think they're poor at the minute. But I, the only thing I would say to, to rebuttal your point is, like, I don't know, like, and, and I get it, but Smith Rowe was in the squad. Like, we act like Smith Rowe, like... Nah, but he had a broke shoulder for, like, three, from, three months, no? Yeah, but he still, he was in the squad and he didn't play. It, it almost was yeah. a bit of... It was almost a bit of, like... Um, his we last roll of the dice. It was, it was yeah. like his last roll of the it dice. circumstances. William was yeah, ill in it. Yeah, and, and to be yeah. honest, even for one, William could have probably played attacking midfield potentially. No, we, we tried that. We until, tried William. No, no but he didn't do it. William but again, but again, he didn't do it till deep in. And I think, to be honest, William, the whole William experiment was, was ridiculous anyway. But I agree. He could have played him He could have played him a 10 from the beginning if he felt like that he didn't have that player. Obviously, the Ozil situation, we can go back and forth. I felt like he shouldn't have frozen out. But obviously, we don't know what happened like deep down. But I just feel like yeah. with our setup, personally, I get the whole Emil Smith-Rowe came in in December, but he wasn't like alone. It wasn't like an Erdegaard where he wasn't in the squad. He played in the Europa League. He played yeah, well yeah, sometimes yeah. in the Europa yeah, League. Yeah. He played yeah, him on the right I'm, and he played him on I the agree left. With you. It's not an excuse in the sense that you can say now he's blameless for the first half of the season. I totally agree with that point because he's responsible for the first half as much yeah. as you, if you want to give him credit for the second half, exactly. you've got to blame him. No, I, I'm not even, even going to say that. He, he didn't, I'm, he didn't I'm, even I'm, have, he didn't even have, like, uh, the thing with Smith Rowe is, as Raf says, he was in the squad. At the start of the season, it's not like we were seeing Smith Rowe coming on, getting bits of game time. Of yeah. course, there was an injury, but he didn't just start starting straight after his injury. Arteta has to wait until... He is literally in a lose again and you're getting sacked mode before he actually shakes up and changes, makes the changes that he needs to. And the reason why I abated my kind of um, calls for wanting Arteta to go around Christmas, because, I mean, we were in sheer panic mode. At that point, it was, we got to make sure that we stay in the league. And, you know, we, we said it mm-hmm. jokingly, but we were in disgusting form. Like, the worst, well, you know. Back then, if we're ambitious. 8 right? and 13. Oh well, yeah. Well, well, I agree that he should have been. He should have been sacked then, you know. And and the club should have acted um, with a, a, assertiveness and just said, "This is what we need to do." But the fact is, is that I think the FA Cup bought him a little bit more extra time. He had shown us some success within a year, and it was like, you know what? Let's just see how this goes for a little bit longer. And sure as would have it, there was a little stretch, obviously, since Christmas where we started picking things up. But the problem is, is if you look at that pre, pre-Christmas pre um, kind of points tally, performances, everything that was going on, and you say, this is the worst start we've had in 50 years, okay? This is not just, you know, an average, but this is the worst start in 50 years. That is a sackable offence. We have to believe that you can learn from these grave errors because he was making shocking errors. And this was a time when he was coming out with comments like, you know, we crossed it. 25 times, so we should have won 16 nil. Like embarrassing, mad ramblings, <laughs> you know. And um, the fact is, is from that point, we needed to know that you're a young manager, you made a mistake, but you have to learn from your mistakes. Fast forward four or five months, and for me, I think the same problem started presenting with Martinelli not being given game time when 
everything was suggesting that he deserved to get game time. Even Arteta was saying he was training well and we had no realistic options, um, you know, alternatives who just were undroppable. There was every opportunity to do it. Smith Rowe being pushed aside for Erdegaard, I have a little bit of sympathy for. But just on that point, I think, no, the reality is, is I don't think that Arteta has properly learned from the mistakes of the past because he's repeating them with different cast members. And that, yeah, for me, yeah. is is yeah. one of the most yeah, um, I, unforgivable I things. All, I completely agree with all those mistakes. And I was actually, I, I mentioned this in the group the other day, like, there's there's almost like this, um, there's there's different levels to what he's been asked to do at the, at the job. And I, I will say, I think you're almost giving our owners too much credit in terms of the FA Cup gave him more time. I think it was just, right, <laughs> Raul was, like, kind of ousted in summer over some crazy issues, right? Tim Lewis. And Tim I honestly think job, that yeah. the owners just don't really know what's going on for Arteta. We made him manager and he'd been coached for half a season. He'd never managed or coached a club before. And we made him manager. We, I think we overexposed him. And this is my kind of bigger point, which is my bigger issue, which is where I direct more of my energy is the structure around the, around the manager uh, or around the coach or whatever it's going to be, the structure of the club. I think that is the biggest issue because I think a lot of the things that you just mentioned are, are completely uh, good criticisms that I've been making as well. The other thing for me that's a sackable offence is giving Pepe the same amount of minutes as Willian. That, yeah. That's, yeah. You know, that's not oh, okay. Man. I mean, you saw in the chat box, you saw in the group the other day where I was losing my mind at how little kind of respect he's kind of paid to Pepe. Like We, we yeah. moan about the guy for lacking consistency. He's not allowed to be consistent because he's not allowed a run of games. I don't think he's played four games in a row since in arriving. Row. That, that's yeah, ridiculous. I don't know if he's played three under Arteta. Yeah, he's, he's not played four games in a row under the club. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's, just, just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I feel like with Pepe especially, and I don't know if it's the price tag, and I don't know, but I think Arteta is like, I, I don't know, I don't want to say sociopath is, is a bit, it's probably a bit extreme, but I feel like he's attention to details. Yeah, I feel like because I feel like he he has like a control thing about control the way yeah, that he, he wants us to play, that mm. it's like he can't, he doesn't like players that kind of move or, or drift out of what he tells them. Obviously, you've heard the complaints about everyone saying that, like the um, that he keeps barking orders, and you can hear it. Just you can hear it anyway. Like you, he he literally is barking orders for the whole game. Like there's no element of yeah. kind of like control right, but, and everything's so functional. Yeah. And I think yeah, yeah. that um, when you look at the way that some of the players that he hasn't seen to play as much, the Martinelli's, the Pepe's, maybe they are the ones that may kind of do a bit more off the cuff as opposed to players that maybe completely listen to his um, instructions as opposed to a Xhaka, for example, who, who I do think gets a bit too much criticism at times. It's probably just listens to what he says. And even through his mistakes, he understands the instructions a little bit more clearly. That's what it seems like anyway. But I, I, and, I, I, and then even a Willian, to be honest, because Willian, I think would, he doesn't, he looks after the ball well, doesn't really do things too much outside the line. He doesn't line, look after the ball well, it's a myth. Yeah, mm. but... He, he, when he goes backwards, he looks after the ball. He does when he tries to actually do anything consistently yeah. forward, and that's, I think that's why he hasn't yeah, scored. Looking after the ball, and yeah, and I mean he just hardly assists. But I think that's what Pepe. If you look at Pepe's stats and you look at what he's actually done in certain games, I think Pepe's been one of our better players this season. I know people right. want to say that he's a right. he's a flop, and it's easier to say that he's a bad player. But when you actually look at what he's been doing, and you actually look at the times that when he played against Leicester. One three one was was probably the man of the match for me. 
gets dropped for the next two or three games. Um, when you look at some of the other games, the Wolves game, he scores an a, a, an, a, an amazing goal. And because Louise gets it, um, sent off and we're down to 10 men, kind of goes completely under the radar. He's done that a few times where he's pulled us out or done something really good and maybe hasn't got the credit he deserves because yeah, he was 72 million and he flopped. But I think the bigger issue for me is Arteta's it's too it's too stringent in the way that he wants to do things. And I understand it. And I, I think Pep's similar in some ways, but I just think that he just needs to just let players play a little bit more. There needs to be a little bit of freedom within that structure. But I do oh. agree with your point about, you know, the structure top to bottom. Let's be honest, everyone's everyone's inexperienced. None of none of the none of the whole backroom team have any real experience in the jobs that they're in. I think that Edu hasn't sacked Arteta or Arteta hasn't been sacked because I think they're slightly aligned in if Edu now sacks Arteta, who he's probably overly endorsed, then questions start to be asked of him. And if you look at the the owners, one thing you would say, they don't look the most knowledgeable, but when something <laughs> does go wrong, they look like... The statement of the season. <laughs> yeah, but when something goes wrong, it does seem like they kind of take some sort of action, like, well, what's going on over there? You see what Gazidis left and obviously missing tack goes, Raul something issue happens there, then someone else comes the, in. It, they, the they difference is, like the difference is though, Raf, um, the, when you have to contextualise the current moment, you have to look at the ownership and realise that their ownership or continued ownership has never been under as much threat from the Arsenal fan base as it currently is. So they weren't involved particularly with a football club before, but they were just happy, just staying out of the way, you know, not spending overly on the club. But at this point in time, you've got a fan base which are virtually uniformly saying we want a change of ownership, we want you to get out of the club. They've appointed two managers that, whatever you think about Arteta, at least half the fan base, in my opinion, want him gone, at least half now. I think they've given yeah. up. Oh, so yeah. at that point, for at least half the fan base... He, they've since Wenger's gone, a man who they just signed the club and just let him do whatever he wanted. They've made two appointments, and within three years, they both look really bad appointments, quite frankly, and needed to be replaced. Everyone who's making decisions at Arsenal is making bad decisions, and that goes from the CEO to the director of football to the manager. The reality is, is everyone needs a change, but you can't force the Cronkies to sell; they own the club. But I do think that. What we need is a key word at Arsenal. The, the one word, more than anything else, is accountability. We need people to do their jobs or get the fuck out the club, quite frankly. Apologies for language, but that's no, the reality not. of it. You know, um, so so whether that be Vinoy, who's not done this job before, and he is trying to employ people that are experienced in this world as well, but... But when you look at someone like Edu, he's not managed a club. He's not been a director of football at a club this yeah. big before. He's making mistakes. Who and then, in? well, exactly. But well, I think I think Arteta had, had his yeah. mitts all over that one, unfortunately, as well. well. And, yeah. As well, you reckon he brought? He wanted Cedric as well. I, I don't think Cedric. Like, does Cedric exist still? Since I don't think Cedric's that bad a signing. You know, like no, but this yeah, bro, right, Arteta don't like him, does he? Because he's 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 played Saka right wing back. Bellerin came on. Bellerin yeah. got injured. He's put Chambers at right wing back, and Bellerin's going, and Saka's not a right wing back, and they've both come in ahead of the guy that we've just bought. Said something's Oscar. happening there, I think, because like, it was if you remember Slavia, since the Slavia Prague game. After the yeah, Slavia, exactly. since the Slavia Prague game, he hasn't played. Uh, he so something's clearly, 
Yeah, mm. something's that's, clearly happening. That's how bad it was. Oh, but you know, what really frustrates me about that is, is that we saw Xhaka play there, <laughs> game after game after game, and we knew that it wasn't working. He, he, uh, and and what annoyed me more, and we talk about kind of Arteta in press conferences, is like, he said that, oh, but he's, he's he had some good performances there. And we were like, yeah, against Sheffield United, where we absolutely yeah. blitzed them, and Slavia Prague away, where we blitzed them as well. We didn't need necessarily yeah. a great defensive performance from the left back or even an attacking yeah. performance from the left back. And then after that, everyone could see that there was an issue with the left back spot. And what really pissed me off was that as soon as we got knocked out of the <laughs> Europa League, Saka goes straight to left back against yeah. West Brom and looked great. And, and, and I was yeah. looking at that going, Can, are you kidding? Are you yeah. are you having a laugh? At least at least have some decency to our souls and put Cedric there. Don't mug yeah. us off by putting the guy that we've been calling out for weeks yeah. to sit at left and, back and play really well. And he well. plays Martinelli up front. Yeah, and I want to kind of bring this point back to also what we were talking about earlier and what we were talking about with Smith Rowe. I have a lot of sympathy for your point, French, and I've been kind of putting that yeah. out there as well. Yeah. There was an injury with Smith Rowe. He yeah. was playing in the youth team. And there is also the argument to say that Smithrow had barely played any first-team football. There was no guarantees this guy was going to be coming in and being an absolute saviour for us. So the, the calls for him to be playing are, were purely based upon the lack of there being anyone rather than his own qualities as, as kind of a priority. But what I will say is, is that there was a point in the season where we started off against Fulham, playing three at the back in the same system that won us an FA Cup. Say what you like about the performances we put in against Chelsea and Man City, but we beat those teams and we went into the game against Fulham and we blitzed them playing 3-4-3. We didn't have to play a number 10. If we didn't have a number 10, there's no point shoehorning Saka or Willian or Joe Willock into a number 10 role that's not working. Play the three four three again. You have Maitland Niles there at the time as well. It it just it just really gets I, to me. I seem to remember at the time that we were we we only had that that was a really efficient system when it started when we when we came up with it. I think there was only one or two ways of scoring. I think it was we play out hmm. from the back. Tierney puts it up that left, switches it through to Laka to the right, and then gets they they switch from the from the right to the left. You're a French when we stopped it. We Saka had no way of scoring. And Abamyang was doing really well and kept scoring. And then remember, Abamyang just stopped scoring. And that was our mm. only way of scoring in that three I at like the back it. at the time. Now, maybe you could have changed the three at the back and kept the formation. I hear that. But I do remember at the time that a lot of people were saying, yeah, yeah stop the three at the back. That's not your long term plan. Do your four, three, three, or whatever your long term is, even if we're not good. So, but, yeah. but, you know, as fans, we have a right to want what we want at the time. And, and you know, he's got to yeah, stick with what is best for the club. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you may be right. My, 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 the point more I want to that, be... Sorry, more, more than that, um, it, it's not just sure. fans have a right to want what they want. It's try something. But if you try something and it doesn't work, then you can change it again. Like, there's yeah. been a rigidity to the way that he's approached the way he's been setting up the team that is so frustrating. And ultimately, a I rigidity. think... Well, yeah, he's he's a uh, he's he's so fixed in the ways Richard. that he. No, no, he... I know what it, I, I'm. I'm saying this is apparently our 35th lineup in our 36th game. So if anything, I think he's changed it too much. So that's no, but fair. you're talking you're talking about like a tactical approach, like you know, yeah. for, it's not changed formation every single game. That's he certainly hasn't done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah the formations been... and the selections have changed a lot, but the tactics. We've been four two three one four three three. We've we, when we play, we play four. Sometimes one four one or like a four one 
like we, we it changes in the game quite a but bit. It doesn't, well, it doesn't so. matter what way we or who plays and the formation we play. You know that we're going to try and get the ball into the wide areas as quickly the as strategy. possible. Yeah, the strategy. Yeah, the strategy. Low driven yeah. ball. The, the yeah. tactics and the way that we're playing is the same, and it was know. for that first half because we didn't have a number ten, or so I thought. But then even in the second half of the season with a number ten, the the lack of clear, incisive balls in the central area through to our yeah. striker is non-existent. Our number tens are purely there to feed the balls out to the wide area. Yeah. still and it's such a one-dimensional system that we're playing at the moment and that's what I worry about is that even though we talk about kind of the form since Christmas and these results and there are some good results and there are improvements and it isn't all bad I understand that but the fact is that the, the results business shows overall that it has been one of our worst seasons that yeah. in living memory but the and thing is yeah. is that we are better against the big sides we are better defensively but there is no style, there is no kind of plan B, plan C, plan D, if what we're trying to do in the wide areas isn't working. And in the forward yeah. line, we are inept, is the word I would use. Is we are utterly yeah. inept. And we needed that goal against Chelsea yesterday to have any chance of winning that game. And it's, it's what cost us against Villarreal, is that we didn't deserve to yeah. win that tie because we created barely anything. And the ones that we did were aerial balls to Aubameyang that hit the post when he's not a header of the ball. Anyway, yeah. so it, it was, My, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and so, I wanted to just like round off the, the the point I kind of started before with regards to, I think he's overexposing a lot of ways because a lot of the things that you guys bring up are, I think a lot of them are to do with experience to a degree, right? And we know our manager, our, our yeah, our actual manager is extremely inexperienced, and I feel like. Edu, we've mentioned already, it's almost like he's in Arteta's pocket. Like he, I don't know if Arteta's his boss or he's Arteta's boss. I, I, I'm, I don't really understand that relationship, but it doesn't seem to me like he can tell Arteta to do anything except maybe start Willian X amount of times. But um, it's, it's, I think there needs to be someone to tell Arteta, yo, we put 72 million into Pepe and he is better than Willian. He needs to play. Martinelli, give him more time. He's the future. Um, you know, maybe... There's uh, lots of the things that we mentioned make substitutions earlier in the game because this isn't going well and you need to make a change and stop being so in love with your ideas. You know, there's a lot of things where I think he could just have someone a little bit older, a little bit wiser to just tap him on the shoulder. I think he's surrounded by a lot of inexperienced people, whether it be, you know, yeah. kind of just around him in the back room, a lot of young guys, a lot of guys who've not necessarily been around and, you know, higher up as well. So, for me, I think that's a that's a big part of it. But it, a lot of these things, yeah, they're completely indefensible. I mean, so many, like we've mentioned, so many sackable offences by themselves. And I think for me, it's just like, I know, obviously, we already knew he wasn't going to get sacked. And there's a point at which it's just like, well, I'm pissed off with the structure and the owners more than I'm pissed off with Arteta. And I, I don't think he's probably going to, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm strapped into the world. I, 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 think, I think the issue is, for me, though, in that is as much as I understand that he's inexperienced and I understand that he's going to probably be learning things that ultimately he's never been in a position to to do until this time. It, that's not really my fault. Like I, I'm a, like I don't I don't care. Like not, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And while I understand while I understand it, that's not that's that's on the that's on that the okay. people yeah, above. Yeah. yeah, that's on the people above that gave yeah, him exactly. the job. Exactly. And ultimately, he's put himself in a position where he feels that he's ready to take the Arsenal job. So he should come, the criticism should come exactly the same way as it would if it was Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp. Because ultimately, yeah. when he was being praised and when he had won the FA Cup and he was being called a, a revolutionary tactical genius who's yeah. doing 
tactics that nobody's ever done before. And Bielsa was coming out saying, I've seen tactics in him that I haven't seen in other coaches. And everyone was waxing lyrical. So, so to me, the way I see it is you're in the Arsenal job, which is one of the biggest uh, jobs in the Premier League by, by far. Let's be honest, we're the third biggest club in, 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 in England. And it's one of the biggest jobs, probably one of the biggest fan bases, all of that stuff. And you're in it and, you, and the, the benefits that come with it, you've seen. But also you have to take the criticism and you, you have, have to take the, the negative. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and ultimately his rigidity, like um, similar to what Johnny said, but also his reactionary um, behaviour. Like he, he takes too long to make substitutions. Yeah. He makes the same substitutions when he makes them. It's like for like. It's a Bamiyang when you need to score off for Lacazette in the biggest game of, of, of the season. Yeah. Yeah. It's our oh, play, really it's players are not... It's players and players are too young, and they need to go through a process and all of this nonsense. And that's why Saliba didn't play for the whole season, even though we were yeah. leaking goals. Even though, and 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 whether or not you think he's ready or not ready, he seems a bit, he seems ready enough at Nice to be be honest. Considering the fact that you were playing Mustafi, even though you knew that he was going to leave, and you're yeah. playing now, you're playing in Ketir, even though you probably he's probably going to leave. I don't know. There's just a lot of things that he does that confuses yeah. me. The Willie. The reliance on William when he hasn't scored, he hadn't scored, he wasn't creating, and you consisted and persisted on playing him, even though we were losing eight in thirteen. It's just I just feel like with Arteta, he, he hasn't done himself any favors in being so stubborn in certain aspects. And I so, do agree with your point about um, you know, be, the top to bottom uh, things being wrong. And I think Edu, a lot of it seems like the Kia Jiraption kind of earring, uh, like. He's got his ear a little bit and that stuff. I don't know if that's played an impact on Willian or, or whatever, but he just seems yeah. too... He doesn't seem ready for this role as well, to be honest. It all seems too big for all of them. I think we should no. get Lewis Campos. I think that we just need to just have yeah. a reboot. Nice. That's me personally, anyway. I mean, when you think about the director of football... When you think about the director of football, like, you know, I think there are some sound calls for... Ralph Rangnick to be really tapped up right now. And that would probably be the most important sign that we could make. If Arteta was to succeed, it would be under a more robust director of football, someone who knew, who could set up a culture at the club. Because what we thought Arteta could do, because he started well, um, and because of who he trained under, uh, is that he could come in and um, in, uh, inject a culture into the club, a culture of winning and accountability that would see us through and on a new path, a new direction. That, for me, is the biggest thing that has been proven is not going to be the case. Because the reason why we're talking, we're having these conversations about his approaches, and, and, and thanks to Tom for clarifying. I, I was When I say rigidity, it was more about his um, kind of outlook and his approach to games rather than a, a, an odd formation. But... <clears throat> The the thing about Arteta is it, his his inexperience is getting exposed now, and those that still believe in him could say that yeah, under a different director of football, would he be able to take the club in a different direction if he was just focusing on squad matters, you know? But the fact is, is he didn't. He didn't I'm not saying I'll blame him for this because a lot of people wouldn't turn down a promotion if they were offered one. But in the, the day, he's six months in the job, and he wasn't going. Oh, I'm not sure I'm ready for manager. Uh, managerhood, if you like. Let me just be the coach yeah. and stick to that. He, he was like, yeah, I'm the nuts. I'm going to come in here and smash it all up. Well, guess what? You're not. You know what? It caught up with you yeah. real quick. <laughs> and, and and in the day, decisions like this yeah, are what can shape your whole managerial career. But I think the key thing here is more of a philosophical question when it comes to Arsenal. 
First of all, I don't think that when we talk about, you know, again, accountability, Edu or Arteta, they're not mutually exclusive. There's enough blame to go all around. And, and if anything, they should all be getting replaced. But the thing for me is, is that even if we change the director of football, I still feel like I've seen enough or not seen enough from Arteta, enough to worry me, I should say, that I think... Mm. Um, you know, someone else could come in and do a better job. But if Edu is not going to get replaced, then I would definitely say that Arteta has shown himself to not be ready for this current setup. We've we've granted, as you've pointed out, French, potentially a lack of support from above him. But that is that's what we're dealing that's with. The way it is. Yeah. yeah so if you if you can't handle that, then get out the club. You're, well, we need you've shown that you yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't look up to it. I, so I, I, I completely understand that, and I, I completely emphasise that point. That's. Also, ideally, where I stand, I think that's what we'll have to do and we will end up doing if he doesn't pull the results, um, ultimately. Uh, what I do kind of hope, and this is kind of what I'm, I'm thinking as well. So obviously, there's a lot of things that we mentioned in terms of, um, well, actually, first of all, in terms of his rigidity, he's definitely extremely stubborn in his way he wants to play football. I, I see the control thing for sure. Um, he wants to minimise risk and stuff like that. And, you know, it's it can be, you know, like yesterday, it was pretty horrible to watch at times. Um, at times I thought like, you know, I think after about an hour or so, we started to figure out the balance a bit better of, um, defending and actually getting forward. But for the most part, well, for large parts of the game, we were kind of getting battered and, um, yeah, you know, if people want Simeone and it's not going to look much different. Um, <laughs> but what I, what I, what I was saying with terms of them being really bad at passing, you know, that, that sort of thing that I was noticing, I'm thinking he wants to play football that only good footballers can play, right? Like that, that's that's what it is. Only intelligent people who can who know how to rotate, who who have the maybe the mobility to be able to move around, the technical skill to beat a man, go past the press, and then and I want to see him with those players. And the other thing I want to see is is him with a preseason, um, and I want to see him with some with some fans in the stands. I I do think that those things, you know, will well. I hope no, not even I think I can't say I think, but I hope because we're strapped in for the ride. That um, you know, with people shouting down his neck and letting him know you need to make a substitution, he's gonna maybe react a little bit faster when, when you know a bunch of fans are yelling at him in the stands, or when um, you know, when it comes to um having like Basuma next to Partey, I think the way that we'll be able to kind of tick the ball yeah. around, just you know, live with me in Dreamland for a second. Different than El Neni and Partey, and I, I love El Neni for his performances he's putting next to him. But just think about upgrading that player, right. and I just want to see what that looks like. So that's kind I, of. I, you will, I do. You will go on, Raf. Go on. No, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I. I do get you, and I do think that he. I think he would potentially be better with players, and obviously he's used to Man City players, so I understand that to a degree. But also part of being a good manager is it's kind of knowing your squad and being able to kind of a, adapt to the squad that you have, and maybe trying to get the best out of the players. Because as much as I think the players aren't good enough. I think that they're better than what they're showing. And I think that they're better even than potentially what he's kind of telling them to do. It seems, I don't, I don't know. It just, I don't think the players are as bad as they're shown. But um, yeah, but go on, Tom. It's cool. I was just going to say, I think that obviously French, you will see that next season because Arteta's not going anywhere. Um, no. And I think it's important to kind of move the conversation to a kind of a direction where we now look forward with, the, we could we could talk and wax lyrical about how much we think that he should go and, and speak about all of our reasons about why he should go. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is he's not going to. Um, he is going to be here at the start of the season. So therefore we need to be looking at, at the potential. Um, I think it's kind of it, not wasted energy because I think it's important that we highlight the things that we've talked about. 
But I also think it's key to think about what has changed, what is different, and what we can kind of take and, and look to with next season. We have touched on a few of them. I mean, the fact that before this season, 2015, 2015 was the last time we won an away game against a top six side. And I think that is really key. And that is something that has definitely changed. Um, and we ultimately have done that twice against, obviously, Chelsea and, and against Man United. Both of those games were pretty much carbon copies of one another where we got a very lucky and fortunate chance to score a goal and we took it. But also, importantly, we stayed in the game long enough that we were able to get those chances. Whereas in other games across those last half decade, we've been blitzed away from home against Chelsea a number of times, blitzed away at Man United or whatever, or haven't been able to get a clean result. Uh, and that has changed. You've also looked at the way that we've recruited. We've identified two players in Partey and Gabriel that we needed. We got them in. In January, we needed a number 10. We've got a bit of a coup in getting um, in getting uh, Martin Odegaard and, of course, covering that goalkeeping position. There is things that I look at positively about when we go into this summer that is such a key summer. I know that we say it every single bloody year that this is the most important summer transfer window of Arsenal's history, but it is once again. And that's what we need to look at. So, Raf, when it comes down to this summer, I was talk- I, on the last podcast we did after the West Brom game. I asked all three guys this question before we went into the the uh, user questions. But what's what is your vision for for Arsenal in the summer? What is it that you want to see the club move to do? Obviously, realistically, and obviously with Arteta at the helm. But what is your vision for the club this summer? Um, me personally, um, I, I think we need um, a new right back. Uh, personally, I, I think um, I, 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 you know, Hakimi would be ideal for me, but I, I don't think that that's realistic. So I think Aaron's uh, would be a good option. Lamptey would have been a good option. I know he's been injured, but he'd be a good option. Um, Emerson Rowe looks a good player. I haven't seen loads of him, but they're the ones that we've been linked with. There's a couple of others, but I think a right back. I would prefer a young left back, um, uh, somebody that's got good that, that will have potential resale value. I think that we've gone too much into the, the thirty plus kind of realm, and I just think getting another one, I I don't necessarily think is the best way to go. Even though I think Bertram would be a good player, or Van Arno or Amavi, mm. potentially people that have played in the, in the Prem before, fine. But I would personally go for like a young, maybe someone, maybe someone that's a good young, young up and coming guy from the Championship. I mean, there was a guy, I think he's from Derby, the left back from Derby. Right? So I like, yeah, I, I, I've seen good things from him and I thought, yeah, he looks a decent player. I know there was another one from Scotland as well we've been linked with, but I think a young one personally for me. Um, we could, depending on what happens with Saliba and Mavropanos, I, I would obviously bring back Saliba, but if he wanted to bring in a, a, a right centre-back because Louise is leaving, and um, then do that. But I think a, another midfield is key and I would get another forward. So whether it be a winger or or a, or an out and out striker, it depends. I, I'm not. I think we could we could move. It depends what he wants to do with Martinelli. I think you're still going to have a Bamiang there. You're still going to have um, Martinelli and Balogun. So you could potentially use them as your three. Because I I think Lacazette. I know there was been talk of a of a new one year deal, but I just don't see why he would do it, and I don't think that we should either. So yeah, I I would get a forward, and then obviously an attacking midfielder. I, personally, I would get Depaul or Awa, but I could understand Buendia. Um, definitely, he's a good player, and he's got prem experience as well. Or Fekir would would be a good option as well. I think there's options if we can't get Erdegaard. I think there's so many options. I think what we Erdegaard? just need to do. Do you want him? Do you know what? I think I w- I did, and I I do to a degree, but I. I'm, I wouldn't lose sleep if we didn't get him. I just want us to make sure that we get 
the right person, if that makes sense. So with yeah. my only issue with Erdegaard is he looks like once he gets injured and then he comes back, he takes a while to kind of get back up to speed. And I think that's what we've seen kind of now. And he does seem to get these niggling injuries quite a lot. Yeah. I'm not the only, and the only, and so does Emil Smith Rowe. So they're they're the only things to me that are a little bit concerning with Erdegaard. I like, I love him as a player. I think technically he's very good. I think the fact that he's Scandinavian, I think he suits the Premier League. I think they're they have a bit of bite about them as opposed to just being flary, if that makes sense. So I would take Erdegaard definitely, but I'm not. I don't. I'm not so sold. I'm not so for Erdegaard that I wouldn't want to take anyone else, if that makes sense. I think there's options out there. But I think the main thing for me is that we need to get back to making shrewd signings, making smart decisions in the transfer market. Because while we've done the Partey's and we've done the uh, Gabriel signings, we've also obviously had the Willian signing. We signed Partey in the last day of the season, even though we met his release clause. Like, all of these things to me yeah. were bad decisions. You know, we we high-fived um, Edu for, for, for terminating contracts and getting loans. Like, I don't, like, I don't, like, you know, and they were so pleased by that. I, I don't really see the, so there's some things that I see as positives, but there's other things that I look at and I just think, I don't know. But yeah, forward, I would I would take Zaha personally because I think he's, he's an Arsenal fan and he'd be cheap now. You know, I think some of these shrewd signings that we could we could take potentially. I, I, he's not again. He's one of those people. Yeah, that's that why you said cheap, take. and I was like, you know what? Do you know why I say cheap? Because they were looking at eighty million now, and I think now he's got a year left. So you could probably get him for thirty million. For for Zaha, what 28, 30 million, uh, That's pro- that's pretty cheap for someone that's prem proven, homegrown, and and has the ability potentially that he has on paper. So that's why I said it would be cheap. Not cheap, really, but cheap in context of what he was worth. Okay, well, yeah. I think he, I think he, I think they'll sell him now. Yeah, they might do. They might do. Um, in the chat box, um, people asking about right-backs like Chelik at Lille, who's done very, very well there. But, I mean, we've signed yeah. a few Lille players. So we're basically becoming Lille at this point. Lille. We are Lille's <laughs> B team. So we are Lille yeah. B right now. <laughs> well, I mean, we're even linked to his manager, of course. Too. Who's playing... Yeah. Uh, Oh, sorry, I just opened a website on transfer marts and I had music coming from my ears thinking, well, on earth is playing that music? I lose my monetization. Um, Johnny, what's your vision for the club, mate, for this summer? Well, um, I appreciate the need to move the conversation on, but there is something I just want to kind of flag <laughs> up a little bit before we I do start. You're going to roll French, don't do it. It'll come no, no, not at all. It, it, you know, I, I, first of all, you, you know, you, you, and I understand why you've said it, but you kind of, spoke like there's no chance Arteta's going to go. I'm not actually so sure. I actually think there is a chance he might go. And that is because the the pressure... Yeah, well, this summer. And I obviously think it would be the right thing to do. But I think the only... In normal uh, seasons, there's no way he would go in normal circumstances. But the club, the, the, the people in charge at the club, are in under much more pressure than they ever expected to be because of the European Super League. And at the end of the day, for someone like Edu... He will know that he is six months away from getting the sack anyway. So he might go, look, you know, you have to give people's you know, a head on a pike to say, it ain't me, let's change something. So I think if it isn't Arteta, it may well be Edu getting replaced anyway. So I wouldn't be surprised if if there is movement. And obviously I think, for me, because I do think that it will be inevitable that we will get rid of him, it's just kicking the can down the road. And that's all I'll say on it. Um, in terms of what... Uh, if he does stay, because obviously that's a, a very realistic possibility as well. Um, you know, there are some, there are because Arteta hasn't been just a complete blanket failure. There's absolutely been, 
you know, um, moments of real hope and and a glimpse as to what could be. But um, again, my issues with him have been a lack of pragmatism with his approach. It's He's almost idealist when he comes to setting up his teams, regardless of whoever... Um, it's like that, you know, the old way that what Wenger used to do, like, I don't look at the opposition, I'll just, you know, I'll just set my team out and play. Like, Arteta is very much responsive to the opposition he plays, but in in his mind, he's just, like, he thinks he can fix it every time rather than look at the players that he actually has and try to get the best out of them because he wants to play his own, he wants to, you know, have his own approach to it. In terms of when we look at pl- kind of players that um, I think we could be getting in, first of all, it's interesting you brought up Erdogan. I was going to say to him, I, I, I'm I'm less and less convinced by Erdogan as it goes. Um, as Raf said, I do. I, there are certainly some things he's very good technically, but for me, it's actually an issue of his pace. He's he's not fast enough, and because of I would have more time for Erdogan in terms of investing in him and bringing him into the Arsenal squad if we didn't also have Xhaka and know that Xhaka was going to get game time because you're actually starting to clog up the team with too many slow players and even though they're good technically, they slow our play down naturally. Erdogan can't pull away from anyone, whereas you look at the difference with Emil Smith-Rowe, balls go into feet and all of a sudden he's around the corner, he's behind that man. And Smith-Rowe is not like Walcott fast. You know, he's not like fastest player in the league. He's just got to be quick and he can get away from a player. Erdegaard doesn't have that. Um, so for me, if we can get him for cheap, then I'd pull the trigger on it, you know. But I don't want a big outlay. This is the classic kind of mistakes that we, as Arsenal Football Club, have made in recent times by overspending on certain players who can never really del- deliver on that resource allocation because they're just never that good. Whereas if you've got... For instance, the classic one being if Pepe was 25 million, no one would be on his back like they are now. It's because of how much we spent on him. But when I um, watched a couple of weeks ago, and I've only seen highlights of him, but Pereira at West Brom, I was really impressed with him. And I've been I've been kind of keeping a bit of an eye on him. And I thought he is exactly the kind of player profile that we need. When I talk about Erdegaard not being able to get away from a man, this guy can like he's not again not Walcott fast like that is that's the benchmark by the way him and the flash you know? well Theo couldn't do loads <laughs> but he was certainly quick but um uh, you know Pereira has the ability to run past someone uh, to get in behind he looks like a smart finisher he's dangerous his numbers his stats alone in, in a team that's just been relegated suggest that there's more talent there than championship level and if not him. And we do, because I think that with Smith-Rowe, you have the ability to maybe start pushing Smith-Rowe into the number 10 and saying, you are going to play there now. And that is where we hope you to be. And then if not, we could maybe have a send Maximan as well as an interesting player who, who's got Prem experience and always looks dangerous, you know. So those are players that I would think about. Obviously, in the centre midfield, I think we need to stock up. And Basuma's the name that's been floating around forever. Mm. Um, and I think there's good reason why, you know, but... These are the kinds of players who might not be as sexy as signing someone who's, you know, scored. Did you just look around the room to say if it was okay to say sexy? Yeah, I just checking <laughs> in my, checking <laughs> my wife was uh, kind of in it. It's okay with talking about football. So, yeah, you know, um, it, but these glamorous names, glamour, you know, continental names who've maybe scored 15 goals in League 1, whereas if you've got someone, even the likes of Zaha, who you know 
is what's the old adage? You know, cold Tuesday night in Stoke, they're not in a league anymore, but Burnley we still a go to. And someone who's going to not shirk those kinds of games because the change of men- mentality can absolutely come from the coach and the powers that be, but it can also come from recruiting the right kind of personnel. And I think players with proven Prem experience will straight away improve the mentality because they'll know that they can do it rather than, oh, I'm readjusting to the league and I'm not sure whether I'm going to be able to do it. Yeah, fair. I, I think there's a lot there to, to kind of think about in regards to certain players. Pereira is someone that obviously has impressed a lot this season. I think he will be snapped up by someone, uh, obviously, in the winner, whether it's us or not. I personally, and I, I feel like people who are in the chat box will pick up on the point if I didn't mention that I am personally not the biggest fan of, of Sam Maximan, um, purely down to kind of his end products being a bit of an issue for me. Um, I think he's all flair and he's all tricks and skills and he's one of those players where you watch a game for Newcastle and you're like, wow, this guy is standing out like crazy, but actually his output, I don't know if it would transition across for us. I don't think he's any better than Pepe, to be honest, Like if, if you're going to look at a player. And is he any better than Saka and what his potential is? And so I always kind of look at a player and I'm going, if you're going to bring someone in, look at what we've already got. Are they better than what we have? Are they going to improve? Are they going to upgrade on what we've got? And if, if it doesn't answer that question, that's usually for me enough to go, you know what, it's probably not. Now with Pereira, even though we got Smith Rowe there, we haven't got enough like quality in the position in terms of frequency and overall quality as well. Erdogan's not going to be here next season. We imagine, I can't imagine he's, he's probably going to be here next season. Pereira, I think, does add that. But, uh, do you see what I'm saying? Like with about, so I don't want to come across as just like slamming your, your choice, but does that, do you see what no, I'm saying? No, I, I, I agree with like your rationale. I don't agree with your assessment. I do think mm. he would add something to our team. Um, I'm not yeah. 100%, whilst I do get the arguments for Pepe, I'm not 100% convinced on him um he there is a mentality issue i think with pepe which in the same way we talked about arteta you know needing more support from above and unfortunately he might not be able to get it so that's just the way it is well pepe i think is in a similar boat he needs far better man management and arteta is letting him down on that front but if arteta stays well guess what that's what it's like pepe so you know you're gonna have to (laughs) like wake up and crack on with it or get out mate like you know certainly out the squad and don't expect to be played so for me i think saint maximum has shown enough and and i'm not wedded to this idea it's not like him or nothing but he's a name and i think who you were calling sexy is that (laughs) there we go yeah he he's a guy who has shown enough for me to feel that he's dangerous. He's been dangerous in big games. He's had injuries issues as well. But in terms of player profile, he's 24. He's quick. He, I think he's very skillful, can go round people, and he can finish. So, you know, it might be that in six months we are looking at a Pepe, or certainly Willian, I think we've all got our answers already, that he's not gonna he's not good enough and if we can replace him. But we might be looking to replace them. The only two I'd say that we're really, you know, fixed on is Saka and Smith Rowe and obviously Martinelli may be that striker area obviously if not you know but we may well need um, support in those areas particularly if we don't sort out our striking options French your vision for the future not for Arsenal not for like your life or anything (laughs) (laughs) all right okay come join me in dreamland fellas all right (laughs) Here we go. Put your two guys. <laughs> I'm pushing out the boat. All right. Um, few reasons I'm doing this. One, um, I think we're obviously not going to be in Europe. Um, we've just got the league to focus on. 
for me, we need to make our starting eleven as good as we can make it. Uh, because we're not gonna, it's not gonna be a squad game as much as it usually is. Because we're not gonna have all these different competitions to balance. So I'm less worried about, and we need obviously backups where we don't have any. But I'm, I'm looking at getting, like Tom was saying, upgrades on first team players, um, or at least people who can challenge for those positions. Um, obviously, uh, right back. I don't know so much about. I, I like Lamptey, but um, I take a lot of people's point about him maybe being a bit short and a bit weak defensively, possibly. Um, I like the the Aaron shout. I just in terms of like reasonable price, and it fits into my roughly 150 million pound budget that I've created for myself in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reason yeah. being, this is my second reason I'm pushing it out because, again, owners under massive pressure like never before. Um, you know, they always talk about investment and stuff, and we it's a big summer. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say you know I will, I still obviously at the end of the day I think these guys still need to get out no matter what happens. But if they want to try and save their ass in this window where there's no FFP, and Arteta's come out and he's nodded and he said I'm gonna be backed, you know, I'm gonna have support. So. Go so get Jack go Grealish. There we go. Go get Jack yeah. 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 Grealish. Get the sumo and get um, oh. and get Aaron's at right back and top four. We come, baby. <laughs> well, I mean, no one's going to argue with you. Like for me, with respect, I thought mine was. You did. You do preface it with that you were in dreamland, but I, I tend to agree. Like we ain't getting Jack <laughs> Grealish, man. I mean, if, it, if he's had a TV, about a Yang. The short thing. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like we, we would Love need Zachary to kidnap well. kidnap his family. I think for him yeah. to come to Arsenal at the moment. He's a uh, yeah, he's a fan. Bring him man. on. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't, I, French, none of us are disagreeing with in the point that we, yeah. we wouldn't take him. We'd love him. Like, trust me, we'd love yeah. to get Jack Greenish. But it's yeah. Uh, I see your ret- I see your rhetoric. I see the idea. I see the theory. It works. He's an Arsenal fan. He's been tweeting us. He's, he loves us. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. a, he would be a perfect Arsenal yeah. content creator. Trust me, he'd be perfect. <laughs> but we just don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like, I, I see, I, and obviously about the resources. Uh, to be fair, on that before we get yeah, onto the I'll, questions I'll, in the chat. Like Arteta has said categorically in the words, there are resources. He is excited about what they're going to do. If we are let down this summer, my God, like, yeah. what do we, like it is, it's utterly is dug his own grave at that point. Like yeah. even the most staunch Arteta in people out there who, of which I used to be one was <laughs> very much like, if he turns around and says, and we end up getting, you know, Kim Kalstrom Mark two on loan for six months, <laughs> It is just going to be absolute bedlam come the end of the transfer window, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, anyway, go on, Raf. I was just going to say one one thing to consider, though. I do think we've got a, a lot more sellable assets than we've had in a long time, though. That's one thing I would say. You could literally yeah. look at Enketia, uh, Nelson, Bellerin, um, Lacazette, potentially. I don't know about Xhaka and Leno, but there's talk about them. And then obviously you've got the lone guys like the Mavropanos of this world and stuff like we could generate we could generate eighty to hundred mil potentially just on sales. Yeah, I don't know who's pushing the boat out more now, you or <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know. I... The thing is with the sales when it comes down, and we might have some questions on it to be fair, but like. With Willock, I don't know if we're going to keep him or, or sell him at the moment. I have a feel I'm getting more on board with the idea of maybe keeping him based if this kind of form stays up. But we have sold historically awfully, and if a really good bid comes in for him, and I don't really necessarily see his ceiling being at Arsenal achieve, 
it's tough. Lucas Torreira is is going to go for nothing yeah. because he's already come out and said he wants to go to Boca, which basically shotgunned yeah. his value. You've then got Genduzi, who's got a year left on his deal and is notoriously hard to manage and has hurt a Belinda and you want to keep him. So that's going to be tricky. Eddie Nketi has got a year left on his deal and he can't score to save his life by like a, a tap-in against Fulham. Um, so that's tricky. Uh, you've got Bellerin, who also is very much available for transfer and based upon this season has also tanked his value as well. I see that there's a, the volume of players suggests, Raf, that we could get the 80 to 90 million that you're talking about. I just don't know if we actually have the clout and the players to do it. And obviously, you know how poorly we've sold in the past and and there's no guarantee we do get the yeah. right fee. But I, I hope, I want to be on your side. I really do about this. And I, I hope that you're right. Um, it's just going to be really difficult to try and move those players on, I suppose. Anyway, we are going to go on to the last kind of section of the show uh, for the next 20 plus minutes or so and go through some of your questions and get everyone's thoughts. So, Raph, I'm going to start with you. And it does, believe it or not, involve transfers still. Um, Yonit Max says, which do you think is more important to address in the summer? The number 10, so your Erdogan-style position, or your number 8, your Thomas Partey partner position? What are you going for? Um, um, I, would, I, still, I still kind of say number it's, I still kind of say number 10. They're both, to me, they're equally important, but I think that shades it only because of Emil Smith-Rowe's injury history. He, he just seems like he's, I don't know, it seems like he can't play two games a week. And obviously, we don't look like we're going to play two games a week much, but he, I don't think he's as reliable yet as uh, uh, to play week in, week out. So I would still probably say a number 10. And if you consider how bad we were at the start of the year, without anyone that was offering that creative uh, flexibility, then, uh, yeah, I would have to say that. I think we have to get an, uh, an attacking midfielder. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, Matt G says, uh, you like this one, Johnny, how do we qualify for the UEFA conference? From what I understand, <laughs> we have to win our final two games and Liverpool have to lose by about 78 goals and the final day of the season has to be full moon for us to achieve it. I mean, I'll build on that and saying, if the chances to... To obviously get seventh place, which is the position that you need to get to to, to qualify for it. Are you interested? Are you want to see it for the kids? Do it for the kids? Is that something you're interested in? The conference? Absolutely not. No, I don't want that in <laughs> any any situation. That what that's the worst case scenario. Um, I, I've said, you know, I, I I would. I'm not a person who would ever cheer against Arsenal, but if we come down to the last game of the season and we need a win to get in, like. Oh, I want to draw there, man. Like, like, I do not want us in that competition. I really don't. You know, um, it's at the end of the day, it, it, it's been an yeah, unmitigated disaster this season. It really has. But if you can try and draw any uh, kind of positive shoots um, moving forward, it's the idea that we could have a run at the league next year with no distractions you know obviously we've still got the cups to go in and yeah i would like to see in a carling cup the kids getting played there you know that kind of thing but what we don't need is weekly trips to dundalk and uh, and you know teams <laughs> I'll, I'll below them dundalk are going to be in the europa league start thinking lower exactly lower <laughs> exactly and you know a lot of people said oh it'd be a good chance for the kids to play why because the reality is is there's no guarantee these teams we're playing are even going to be prem level 
You know what I mean? You, you might be playing Estonia's fourth team. Something, something mad like that. Like, why, what are they learning from that? You know, they've got under 23s. And if not, why don't you stick them on loan to championship teams, like good ones? And we um, lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, in general, yeah. I, I want no part of it. Um, I really, really don't want any part of it. And to be fair, it's more, it would, people... I've seen it, you know, people have been tweeting me and saying things like, oh, it would give us an extra 15 million revenue and stuff like that. But I think that the changes needed at Arsenal uh, in the transfer market are so drastic now that 15 million ain't going to touch the sides, you know. Um, And at the end of the day, there is no future for us without the owner putting his hands in his pockets quite considerably. You know, it's not going to be... We're not 15 million pound away from getting ourselves out of this jam. You know what I mean? So... For me, screw the money. Um, we're certainly not interested in it as fans. We just want a concerted effort as, at getting us as far up the league as possible because if we don't do it next year, you know, I, I'm really starting to worry about how this decade is going to look. I mean, it's not real talk now. We're starting <laughs> to get really cut I'm adrift. <laughs> yeah, no. So um, so for me, yeah. if we can have that year out, that might be our f- final roll of the dice to really get back into top four contention with a good summer and no other distractions because otherwise if we keep going the way we're going it doesn't look like things are going to change i i do tend to kind of look at the uefa conference and i go back and forth and think oh can we play the kids in it is it worth it but then the the whole argument around a whole season without any distractions beyond that is just too tempting to, to not and you feel like that is just the obvious choice and it is just it's it's if anything being in being part of that competition is just buying into this utter ridiculous rhetoric that UEFA are trying to push now with these silly money grabbing competition it's it's a joke like it's, it's an absolute joke and Arsenal should have no part of it I mean I don't um, know how we got into the Super League to be fair but Tom you know. could I just flag up by the way Lincoln's eleven has come out of a comment has really ch- tickled me. The oh, Europa, yeah. Euro, Euro, European Conference League against Wi-Fi passwords, and that is what we'd be playing. <laughs> you know, just a, a jumble of jumble of letters that uh, these team names would be. Um, we don't know who they are; they're random. So it just really tickled me. Shout out to Lincoln's. Yeah, that's uh, Dave in the chase, a good friend of the show, and uh, he watches every week. So good shout there, mate. Uh, Ansgar Wagner uh, in the chat. French says, "Is French French, and does he rate Le Smurf?" Do you know who the um, Smurf I, is? I believe I showed my my credentials with my French. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know what the Smurf is though. The Smurf is Lacazette. Um, that's oh, okay. Uh, yeah, well, funny story. Lacazette's actually from the same island as most of my French family. So, like, I'm French Caribbean, and he's from the island of Guadeloupe. Um, as uh, Thierry Henry was is, is also um, half Guadeloupean as well, and um, yeah. So not only do I rate him, he's, he's my countryman. So, you know, we've had our, our, our ups and downs with him, but I really love the player. And um, I kind of think it's probably a good time to wave goodbye, you know, before he becomes a villain or anything like so that. not a one-year deal for you then? You what? Not a one-year extension. You're saying no on that? Um, well, I think it's probably... I, I like, again, I like the player, but I just, I, I don't think... Um, I don't think we're going to necessarily see better from him this season. I don't think he's getting faster. I don't think he's getting younger. I don't think he's getting fitter. Um, I, I like the player a lot, but I want him to go play in a league where he can maybe, you know, not not look out of breath quite so much um, and, and have to, you know, take little rests every now and then. You know, I, I yeah, I, I love him. I love the the, the player. But, um, yeah, I think probably 
Uh, maybe get another Leon striker in, as I heard earlier. <laughs> oh, God, no. Not that one, please. No. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Um, Alex McCarthy says, Raf, uh, what is it with Arsenal's new signings over the last few years? Their mentality and confidence drops as soon as they play a few games for us. I'm not seeing the true player that we sign. Do you know what? I, I, was, um, I was talking to someone about this with um, Gabrielle, and it was like, because I was talking to some Chelsea fans and they were trying to do, so you know, they're like joint joint 11s and, and, and all of this. And they were saying, oh, Rudiger and all this. And it's like, OK, yeah, Gabriel to me is obviously, I, I think Gabriel's better than Rudiger anyway. But in terms of like he's dropped, they were like, yeah, but Rudiger's had a great season. I was like, well, he didn't play under Lampard. So what are you talking about? And and, and Gabriel was the like player of the, um, player of the month for three years in a row. And he looked immense, obviously got COVID and then dropped off a bit. But it just seemed like the mistakes just became a bit contagious. And it was like he went from just being this colossus to now. I still think he's good, but he, he just doesn't always look so sure unless he plays with David Luiz. And um, Partey obviously hasn't had the best season. I think injury plays a big part. But there is something I think I, I, I think people underestimate that Arsenal is a really big club. And I think the media does as much as they can to try and like make Arsenal this like, oh, we're not a top six side anymore. We're no good. We're, Arsenal were miles off. And they try and kind of make Arsenal seem like we're this minnows. Like, but Arsenal's a big club. It's a big reputation. When we lose, it's big TV. It's, it's big business. And I just think the weight of that sometimes plays on some of these players. And I also think when you're in a losing team and confidence is such a big thing in football, you look at like Werner, for example, couldn't couldn't stop scoring. Now he looks like he can't he can't score. And you, you look at some of these other players that come in, even Pepe to a degree when he first came in at the beginning, and he was struggling. Oh, William, like William's never looked this bad. And I just think when you're under pressure as a footballer and your confidence goes, it can it can really play a part. And I just think that's probably the main reason why some of these players don't look like the players that we signed. I, yeah, it's 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 really frustrating because as someone who kind of I really boosted up Partey last summer and and was proper gunning for this guy as being kind of our main man. And obviously, I know injuries hit him, but I just feel like we haven't seen the best of man. I think that Gabriel has has diminished in in quality over the, the course of the season. Whether that's down to coaching or whatever, I don't know. But I feel like it's actually more down to the fact he doesn't really have a good partner next to him. You look at him at Lille; he had Jose Font. Whilst I wouldn't have sat him at Arsenal, he's a very experienced player, and yeah. Arsenal is always kind of had besides Evan David Luiz, where he's looked his best, had someone that's quite inexperienced or, or nowhere near as, as kind of the quality of him. So maybe if Saliba comes back, can be that kind of quality player that we need. He hasn't got the experience, but hopefully he has the quality. Um, Johnny, this is an interesting one from Daniel Robert. He says, Did anyone see Gabby Agbon Lahore saying that Abamyang's assist yesterday shouldn't have counted as an assist? Did you see this? Yeah, yeah, I, I did see it. It popped on the WhatsApp feed. Um, yeah, I, I, I you don't, don't have to really... credit the site, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, um, it's to be honest, there are um, legitimate arguments made about the kind of assist rule, like as in, you know, for instance, obviously, I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in playing fantasy league, and we know that, mm. um, if you take a shot and it comes back off the keeper, that gets credited as an assist, and you know, there are some ambiguities around what kind of. Um, would constitute an assist and not everything needs to be, you know, a, a 60 yard moonraker into someone's path to get given the credit of an assist. And that's why 
Um, ultimately, Agbon Lahore, even if he had a, a germ of a point to make, he's picked completely the wrong situation to make his point over because it doesn't matter whether Aubameyang's, you know, dribbled round everyone to get in that position or not. The fact is, is if you're six yards out from goal and you square it to someone who rolls it in, that is an assist, obviously. You know, <laughs> at, at, but at yeah. the very least, he takes the attention of the goalkeeper so before he squares it, which he means shoot, that... And he chooses it, not to. Exactly. Like, it, it's just a, an absolute redundant point because of the situation that he chose to try and make this point over. And for that reason, you know, he, he just looks even more ridiculous than... Um, what he perhaps would have if he had picked a more apt example of some things that are on the cusp of should that even count, you know. But um, yeah, in in general, just he, he's just completely chatting nonsense, quite frankly. And uh, that was a definite assist. Can I can I can I just right. add just can I just add on this? Yeah, because I, I was literally on Twitter just arguing with people all day about this. So um, <laughs> my 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 thing is with. And, and I get why people are kind of getting onto the whole assist thing because I think that I don't know what's gone on in this era, but it's such Lockdown, like, it's so Lockdown. it's so stat yeah yeah <laughs> it's so it's so stat based and everyone looks at stats to kind of justify how good a player is like we don't watch football anymore but I think the issue is like assists are assists like you can't now just start determining and it, and as well notice that it's only the strikers that are now saying that assists don't don't count anymore it's Owen it's Abronlo or it's um. What's that? The, the the fat guy on the on the on the radio. Sorry. Um, what's his name again? <laughs> oh, you know who I'm talking about. Um, oh, I do, but I feel name? like I might be. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Name. Actually, <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't know if I can say that, but um, yeah, it's it's strikers, and I feel like ultimately, all right. For example, the uh, uh, the Abamyang one's a good example. If he if he misweights that pass, and then he hits it, and he overhits it, and it goes into, and it hits Smith Rowe's shin because he. He, he belts the pass in. We don't score the goal. If he doesn't run and take that chance, if he tries to shoot and misses, we don't score. So how can you not clout cast it as an assist? And we don't look at, there's goals, for example, you could have shot 30 yards and it and it hits my, sh it, it brushes my shoulder and that's a goal for me. Or, or it comes off where it, it hits the post and it hits me in the face and it goes in. And then we, we've all lived on the mantra of, oh, all goals count. So why now are we kind of trying to allow diminish an assist based on the fact that you think it's a two-yard pass or a 30-yard yeah. pass over the which is nonsense. But yeah, go on, go on. It was just a bugbear, mate. No, I, I, this is what he's here for. It's therapy, mate. It's what we're here for. Yeah. Um, I, I, assists for me are... Something obviously, I agree with you completely in regards to the, the kind of theory behind it that we have become a much more stats driven kind of game. That comes down to a lot of reasons behind fantasy football, where that's definitely driven kind of a stats based look at things and wanting to get kind of the latest scoop and who you should be playing in certain teams, transfers, of course, and comparing players to one another uh, and trying to win arguments between player comparisons. I think that's come into it. But yeah, an assist is an assist. Like, why demit? Why? Because we, at the moment, for an example, we bemoan the handball rule right, as something. Like, all the time, it's, what's a handball? What isn't a handball? I don't want to be having debates with people about about whether an assist has been given or not. I, it's bad enough with a bloody handball rule, let alone assist. So, yeah, just uh, annoying. Um, I wanted to highlight this question from Tom uh, Sabol, French, who says, who does Xhaka have pictures of that has kept him in every manager's <laughs> Yeah, well, we, we're forgetting that Xhaka has the keys. 
right? <laughs> <laughs> when when Mama used to go out, the big brother didn't get the keys. It was Zaka, all right. So he's got the keys. <laughs> at the end of it. Um, this, I'm probably the perfect person to ask this question to because I'm someone who like um, I. I want us to move on from the type of player that he is. I think we've kind of, someone pointed this out the other day to me, we've amassed probably the slowest centre midfields in, you know, the top half of the league. Or maybe the, we've got Herrera, Guendozi, we've got El Neni, we've got Xhaka. Um, we've got Mikel Arteta as manager. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Partey's our fastest CM and he's, you know, well, we, we saw him get a little run on the other day, but we, we wouldn't necessarily think of him as a, as a sprinter. Um mm. This is one of the other reasons I think someone like Basuma would be nice, just someone a bit more mobile. Uh, the thing with Xhaka is there's obviously a lot of things he does very, very well. Um, no matter how frustrated we might get with some of his attitude issues, um, you know, or maybe even some of his, like, uh, athletic shorts, I guess, the things that he just physically can't do, that sometimes when you ask him to do, he ends up looking a bit ridiculous, like tracking back or, um, you know, trying to, like, play his way through a press with technical ability. Um, his technical ability is more in his ability to, to pass, as we all know. Um, those kind of, I think Wenger called them intermediate value passes, getting into that final third, switching the play. Um, and uh, just even from even from left back, just the volume, just the amount of times he gets in the ball kind of keeps it ticking over. Some people might say, right, he keeps it ticking over, but he goes you know, back a little bit too much. He should go, you know, I think there's all kinds of stats you can use to prove that at the end of the day, he's a very, very good passer of the ball. Um, and the the other thing about it is his availability. Um, when you pass that much, when you dominate the pitch that much as a kind of player, as a personality type, and you're always fit, you're going to start a lot of games. That's just that's just how it is. And if you then take a lot of orders well from the manager, and I'd say for the most part, he seems to be a good professional. Um, we've all seen times when he gets pushed over the edge, but then you know everyone does. So maybe I think that it did seem like there was just a kind of ending point when he threw that that armband on the floor. And the fact that he's managed to come back from that is just testament to how hard he can work. And, and there obviously is a lot of good qualities about him because not only has he come back from that in manager's eyes, but in a lot of fans' eyes, a lot of fans who said, don't want to see him play for the club again, have to go around and say, well, he's, he's played a lot of good games. He looked good, partnered with Thomas Partey um, for, for periods of time, certainly better than Ceballos did with Partey or Partey just by himself. Um, and so, yeah, despite all the all the things that for me, I think we do need to move on from him, and, I, and I've and I've thought it for for a little while. I still, I, you know, I, we can't go out and say he's not a good player. Um, you know, he's 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 got his shortcomings, and you know, there's a <laughs> there's a lot of them maybe, but um, <laughs> there's a lot of things he does extremely well as well. So yeah, that's why. Yeah, I mean, I've had my say on Granite Xhaka a million times now, so I won't bore the listeners with, with my thoughts surrounding the guy. Um, but what I am interested, obviously, with us going towards the end of the season, uh, I will get your predictions uh, for, of course, our next game, which is away at Crystal Palace. We've got to wake up, wait a whole week uh, for that because we're not playing this weekend because we've played more games than anyone else, apparently, and everyone needs to catch up at this point. Um, so I'll get your predictions on that. And I'm also going to ask for a prediction about where, what position you think we're going to finish in. Um, seventh and get that dreaded UEFA conference position or do you think the other teams above us will actually get their act together and start picking up points to stop that from happening? Or, of course, us shooting ourselves in the foot. Raf, starting with you, a prediction for Palace and where you think we'll finish this season? Uh, I think we'll win, but I think we'll finish eighth, to be honest. I think I think what, what's going to happen is that we're going to get to the last game of the season and it can be possible. 
And the fact that there's going to be a bit of pressure on the game means we'll mm-hmm. lose or draw, like we'll drop points. That's probably what I think is going to happen. But yeah, I I, I don't even care to be honest. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Palace I don't know. We'll see. prediction. Uh, yeah, I said I think we'll win. Okay, I, I was we'll yeah, going for two, a score line, but yeah, oh, there two, we go. probably two one. Um, Fair enough. Johnny? Um, very much similar to what Raph's saying. I think we can win that game. It's, you know, um, immensely winnable in that situation because Palace are at best inconsistent, you know. Um, but they can absolutely beat us as well. The likes of Eze and stuff, they carry danger. All of a sudden, Christian Benteke started <laughs> wanting to salvage a career that was long fought dead in the water. So he's knocking goals in. And, um, you know, I don't think we're going to love that physicality at that end of the field. But um, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably plump for a draw, one all draw, actually. And I think we'll finish ninth. Uh, French. Are we home or away? We're away. I think we've had, is it a couple of clean sheets on the bounce away? Yeah. Are you building yourself up? <laughs> Control, FC, mate. Control FC, I reckon uh, we see out a nice professional 2 0. And where do you think we're going to finish? Oh, where do I think we're going to finish? I, I'd said eighth about halfway through the season and I'm on track, so I'll stick with that. Fair enough. I I just have that weird feeling we're going to finish seventh and it's going to be an absolute meltdown. Um, it's I don't know. I think everyone will just kind of panic and not want to finish there and it'll be a competition for who doesn't actually want to finish in seventh and on the last day, there'll be about four teams who could end up there and it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be weird uh, seeing how it turns out. If you want a kind of insight on what the league is looking like at the moment, Liverpool are uh, minutes away now from winning 3-2 away at Man United. That pretty much rules them out of, of dropping enough points to finish anything lower than probably fifth. There are still with a chance of getting top four if they can win their game in hand over Chelsea. Uh, West Ham are in sixth on 58 points with a game in hand. Spurs are also, are, not also, but they're on 56 points, just a point ahead of us, but have got a game in hand. Uh, and so are Everton as well, those two. So it'll be interesting to see where they end up. And of course, Leeds can still go within two points of us if they win their game in hand. But it's nice that we've put Villa to the sword a bit and they are well and truly behind us by six points. So that was nice. The whole Emmy Martinez thing. It's still a step down, son. We've, we've made it a step down, mate. Don't you dare think hmm. that you've done a step up in your career because you're 11th. <laughs> That's the only solace for this entire season that I can would take. You take um, would you take seven fun ahead of Spurs? Yeah, of course. That's for me, for me, it's ingrained in my Arsenal nature to finish above Spurs. It's just if it means that we have to be in the conference next yeah. season, but we finish above Spurs, mate, I take it because no, there's no way I'm okay with them finishing above us in any way, shape, or form. I see the comedic value of them going into the Europa Conference, but I just can't face the idea of wanting them to finish above Arsenal. It's just not part of my system. Um, thank you ever so much, everyone that's tuned in this evening. Uh, much appreciated. If you have enjoyed it, make sure you show your appreciation by dropping a like on the video. And of course, giving all of my fantastic guests a follow on their social medias, which they're going to tell you about in just a second. Raf, thank you ever so much for coming on, mate. Much appreciate the fact that you've made uh, remained in a horizontal position on your floor for so long. Uh, really do appreciate that. Tell people where they can find you, son. Uh, messy music on all of the um, all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, you know, the vibe. There you go. Make sure you're dropping a follow. Johnny, always a pleasure, mate. How's the YouTube scene going for yourself? Is it going well? Uh, okay. I've slowed down a little bit, to be honest. I've got to be honest. I'm I haven't done a video in a couple of weeks. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. 
I think there are definitely some post-mortem vids coming out, though, so do check me out on Utabi on YouTube, and you can get me at iJohnnyCochran on all my socials. Oh, oh, just quickly, if you're a dad as well, uh, my How's Your Father podcast, which comes out every Sunday. It's all about fatherhood, um, and we've got some great guests on. None other than Arsenal legend Nigel Winterburn was on the podcast talking about parenting as a professional footballer. So uh, do check it out if you haven't already. There you go. That's definitely one to catch on. So make sure you check that out. Uh, French, always a pleasure, mate. I'm going to let you get back to swatting up on your French language for your dictionary. Much appreciate your time, son. Yeah, I've got a debate with other drunk French people about grammar. Um, no, it's been a lot of fun. Like, yeah, football therapy, mate. Definitely that, that session at the start was helpful, man. So appreciate it. And uh, yeah. Look for. I think I'm on the next show as well, so I'll see you then. You are indeed, yes. You signed up for Double Trouble, so you get French next week as well after Crystal Palace, after he says we've controlled the game, and we'll see after we've lost 3-0 from a Benteke hat-trick, as Danny said in the chat box. Um, but you can check out French on Twitter, at FrenchGuna23, if you like arguing with him and some Chelsea fans, then he's the place to go to for that for sure. Uh, you can find us, of course, at the Guna Tool TV and at Tom Canton Media for myself. There's some interesting content coming out uh from the channel, of course, tomorrow we'll have a tactical breakdown on a centre-back link in Joachim Anderson from Fulham that we've been linked to. So that's one to make sure you check out. We'll obviously be back. Um, I mean, as Johnny Johnny can't face the music right now of Arsenal, and for some reason I decided it was a good idea to start doing 8am shows every single day, giving you transfer updates. So make sure you tune in for those. Um, and there's a there'll be an interview on 101 with the Portuguese winger Bruma uh, that I had a chat with today. He was an absolutely lovely bloke. It went all for a translator but he was still a really great guy we had a good laugh on the interview so make sure you check that out over the weekend uh, as well we, we will be back tomorrow morning as i've already said but it's been a pleasure to speak to you all as always and as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.